All right. Well, if you have your Bibles, we are in Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. Uh, we've been walking through Genesis verse by verse. And uh, so far uh, in Genesis, we've been through 2,000 years of history, approximately, and uh, been looking at 20 generations, beginning with Adam and uh, up to Terah, Abraham's father, in Genesis chapter 11. And uh, as we've been looking at those generations, uh, we've uh, discovered uh, some things about uh, God and what he's done. We've learned how we got here, what he's done. Uh, we've discovered why we live in a broken world. And, uh, and we've discovered what God is going to do to redeem this broken world. Now, he's just kind of hinted at it so far. But uh, we're walking through the book of Genesis. And it's going to become more clear as we look at the life of, uh, of Abraham over the next several weeks. But uh, up to this point, as we've looked at Genesis 1 through 11... Uh, God has just had a general relationship uh, with humanity. Now, there's been some exceptions. Uh, We've seen the the interaction, the relationship that he had with Adam and Eve. Uh, We've seen um, how he's worked through the line of Seth. And uh, when Seth was born, the Bible says that people uh, began to call upon the name of the Lord. And in the line of Seth, we saw the life of Enoch. Enoch was a person who walked with God, and God supernaturally took him home one day. And uh, through the line of Seth, we see the person Noah, and how God used Noah to uh, preach to the people and build that ark. And God spared eight people. There were only eight righteous people on planet earth at that time and God put them all in the ark and spared them uh, the judgment of God but now the story is going to slow down we've looked at 20 generations over 2,000 years now we're going to slow down to the next 400 years through the rest of the book of Genesis and we're going to look at three generations in particular Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This will take us through the rest of of, uh, Genesis. But it's through these relationships that God is molding for himself a nation, and he will reveal to them uh, more of his character and his nature, and uh, he's going to give them his word, and he's going to expect them to proclaim the message of salvation through faith. And that message of faith begins with the person Abraham. Now, Abraham lived uh, between 2165 B.C. and 1990 uh, B.C. He lived to be 175 years old, and uh, we know him. We're very familiar with Abraham's life. He is the father of our faith. And uh, he is the father of three major religions today. 
uh, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. Now, when you read the story of Abraham in the in the Quran, it is very different than what we read in uh, in the Bible. And we learn through the Quran that it was through Abraham's son Ishmael that uh, God is going to do an amazing work. But uh, as we read the Old Testament, God's word through the Jew, we realize it wasn't Ishmael, it was Isaac. And we're going to get to that story uh, later. But uh, here we are today going through the life of Abraham. We're going to take our time. But uh, Abraham is uh, the father of faith, and uh, his life is kind of like the pattern of what our faith uh, looks like. Abraham's faith was not pristine. Abraham had lots of ups and downs, just like you and me. All right? So... I, I hope that as we go through uh, Genesis and look at the life of Abraham, that, that this encourages you. Because uh, some, oftentimes, you know, we look at what we're not accomplishing. And uh, we get down on ourselves, and the enemy uses that. Well, guess what? Abraham was in the same situation. And we're going to look at that a little this morning, and then we're going to look at it again next week. Abraham made mistakes. And uh, in those mistakes, there were um, un- unintended consequences that uh, we are still dealing with today. Um, and so I hope that this encourages you. I hope that you learn from it. But uh, let's begin with uh, Genesis 12. And uh, I'm going to begin first with verses 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, now some of your Bible translations may, may say, now God had said, okay, either one is correct, and we're going to look at that in a minute, but, uh, but my ESV in the footnote says, now God had said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So in the footnote, again, verse 1, The Bible says, God had said to Abram. Now, when did God first tell Abram to leave his country, uh, leave his family, leave everything behind and go to a country that I will show you? That happened in Mesopotamia in Genesis chapter 11. And so... um, But we don't really get that idea from Genesis chapter 11. But if you go to Acts chapter 7, we see the the sermon from Stephen. Stephen is a, a deacon in the first church of Jerusalem. He's about to be stoned to death. 
But before he dies, he preaches this sermon um, to the Pharisees. Let me just read a portion in verse 2 of Acts chapter 7 because it describes the calling of God upon Abram's life in Mesopotamia, Genesis chapter 11. Stephen said this, Brothers and fathers, hear me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran and said to him, Go out from your land and from your kindred and go into the land that I will show you. Verse 4, Then he went out from the land of the Chaldeans and lived in Haran, And after his father had died, God removed him from there into this land in which you are now living. So God first called Abram back in Mesopotamia. Okay, Mesopotamia is just north of uh, the... uh, um, the Arabian Sea, if you've got a map, maybe you have a map in the back of your Bible, and uh, you can see, uh, it's not the Arabian Sea, it's the Persian Gulf. It's the, it would probably be the map, first map in the back of your Bible. And you'll see the land of Ur, and that's just north of the Persian Gulf, and that's where Abram first lived. It was a pagan, uh, idolatrous uh, area, and... Uh, And when God called Abram, I want you to understand that it was totally the grace of God. Abram was not a God-fearing person. He was probably worshiping the moon God, as did all of his relatives, all of his neighbors. This, this, This area was steeped in idolatry. In fact... The whole world was idolaters. There were, there were no people pursuing God. They were all fallen. I mean, this is after the Tower of Babel. This is after God has confused their languages and spread them across the whole earth. Um, God t- took that one language, that one people, that one group of idolaters, spread them out, and all those people took their idolatry around the face of the planet. And so there were no God-fears. And yet here God sees Abraham in Ur, and the Bible says that God chose Abraham, not because he was a good guy, not because he was a God-fearer, he was worshiping God. No, he was an idol worshiper. And this is totally the grace of God at this point. Look what Isaiah says. If you have your Bibles, turn to Isaiah chapter 51. Isaiah chapter 51 I like verses 1 and 2 because not only does it describe Abraham, but folks, it describes all of us and what God has done in all of our lives. But verse 1 says, Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, you who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn, 
and to the quarry from which you were dug. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who bore you. For he was but one when I called him, that I might bless him and multiply him. Abraham came from the rock, the rock of sin, the rock of bondage. God rescued Abraham. God hewn Abraham. He chiseled him out of the rock and made him his own. And guess what, church? We are the very same way. God rescued us in our sinfulness. God didn't choose us because we were good good guys and he saw the potential in us. No, the Bible says we were dead in our trespasses and sin. I was, I was reading this passage during the sound check this morning and I thought, you know what? This is a good passage of scripture. I need to read this uh, in this message this morning. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. Let's, let's look at the grace of God the grace that has come into each of our lives. Verse 1 says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sin, in, your, in the trespasses and sin in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Boy, that's a, that's a pretty bleak situation right there, isn't it? And that's what the, the Bible is describing all of us here in this passage of Scripture. But verse 4, But God, aren't you... Aren't you thankful for the grace of God? But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace. By grace you have been saved. This is our salvation. And going back to Genesis chapter chapter 12 and the call of God on Abram's life, this is, this is God's grace in his life as well. We were hopeless, hopelessly lost. Abraham was hopelessly lost, but God chose Abraham. So he chooses him out of Mesopotamia. And he tells Abraham to separate uh, from his land, from his family, and go to a land that God will show him. And then, but as you look at Genesis chapter 11, that's not really what transpired, okay? What transpired in Genesis chapter 11, let's look at the last two verses of Genesis 11. 
Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abraham, Abram's wife, and they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. That's not what God told Abram to do. Abram is following his dad. And dad is leading the way. Dad is leading the convoy. And they travel up the Euphrates River. And the Bible says that they get up to the top of um, near, uh, near, near the Asia. And... They come to Haran, and uh, Haran is probably the second most important city when it comes to uh, the worship of the moon god, and uh, and who Abraham's family uh, has all been named after. Terah sees this this city, and this this says, "Hey, this looks like this is my kind of place." And instead of Abram leading the way, Abram follows his dad, and they're in Haran. Abram hasn't gotten off to a very good start. How long were they in Haran? Uh, I've read anywhere from 5 to 15 years, probably more like 5 years. But the Bible says that when Terah died, when Abram's father died, then Abram went, uh, continued his, his journey that God had set him on. God had called him to do. But think about Abram in Haran. I'm sure Abram's chafing. <laughs> Abram's thinking to himself, I blew it. I listened to my dad. I, I should have led the way here. And I think Abram's miserable. And so I just have a question for you as you're on this journey of faith. Are you where you're supposed to be? Did God tell you to do such and such, and yet you've listened to somebody else? You've, you've followed their lead? Or God's told you to do something, but there's a voice in the back of your head that has convinced you that you're not good enough. And so you've just paused. You've just sidelined yourself out of fear, out of doubt. That's where Abram is in chapter 11. But then... Terah dies. And Abram knows that God's not finished with him. He's got work to do. He's got a journey to travel by faith because he knows that God has spoke to him. The Bible says in Joshua chapter 24, verse 2, 
the glory of the Lord appeared to Abram in Mesopotamia. Abram had an encounter with God. And Abram knows that Haran isn't it. And so, verse 1, chapter 12, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you. I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God had promised Abram some tremendous things. And Abram is believing this by faith. Okay, one one promise. Abram, I'm going to give you a land. Abram doesn't even know where this land is. Okay, we know it's Canaan. Abram didn't, do, didn't know that. God told Abraham, you just leave. Take this journey of faith. And when you get there, when you get to the land that I'm giving you, I'll let you know. He's giving him a land. He's giving him a a great name. He's going to make you a great nation. I mean, th- again, this is another um, promise that Abram has to believe by faith because he doesn't have any children. He's got a wife who's barren. She's uh, now 65 years old. When they leave Haran, he's 75 years old. There's no kids. And yet God says, I'm going to make you the father of a great nation. God tells Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great so that you will be a blessing. It's interesting. Genesis chapter 11, uh, you know, in the when they were building the Tower of Babel, I mean, they wanted to make a name for themselves. Uh, they wanted to be... They wanted to be that great people. You can't do that. It's only something that God can do. And God tells Abraham, I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to bless those who bless you. And those who curse you, I will curse them. And through you, Abram, all the families of the earth will be blessed because of your great faith. And so Abram believes these promises even though he has absolutely no evidence. I mean, this is the first time he's encountered God. And he sees the glory of God. God makes these promises, but he doesn't have anything to show for himself. He doesn't have a brochure of the land of Canaan and, and what that looks like and what he has to look forward to. He doesn't have any children. He has no reputation. And yet Abram believes. How do we know Abram believes? Because he obeys. 
My friend, faith obeys what God has told us to do. God told Abram, you must separate yourself from what's been familiar in your life, your whole life. You must leave your life of sin behind and follow me. And so here this pagan worshiper who had it pretty good in Mesopotamia leaves it all behind and obeys what God has told him to do. And from from Haran continues his journey wherever God is taking him. Folks, this story about Abram is, is the story of the gospel. You know, when we came into relationship with Christ, God told us that we had to repent of our sin. We have to separate ourselves from what has been familiar that has been leading us down the path of death and destruction. We must do a 180 and be obedient to what God would have us to do. We can't come into a relationship with God and say to and convince ourselves well, my life doesn't have to change. I can continue to live like the world, be like the world, and God not make any difference in my life. No, that's not faith. Faith is obedience. Faith is doing what God wants you to do. Matches what the word of God says rather than living a life of sin and compromise. Abram obeyed. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Abram believed God. Abram didn't know where God was taking him. Abram didn't know the sacrifices that he was going to make. But Abram believed that God was going to give him a land that would become his own and that would become where a great nation would exist. You know what, friend? God's made you the same promise. God's given you the promise of an eternal home, of eternal life, life with him forever and ever. But we must believe. And what does belief look like? Obedience. In the first three verses of of chapter 12, there's nothing that speaks of belief. Abram obeyed. And that is belief. That is faith. Separating yourself from this life of sin 
and trusting God to give you something far better, eternal life. And I know that can be scary. There's unintended consequences with those kinds of decisions. Obeying God may cost you financially. You know, I've, I've, I've known couples who are later in life and um, they've fallen in love with each other and uh, they both have um, social security and they don't want to lose those benefits if they were to get married. You know, there's there's some unintended consequences to being obedient with God. And so they've justified their decision of living together so that they will still have their provision. Friends, that is that's that is disobedience. Obeying God means there's going to be consequences. If you live, if you if you live a life of obedience as a young person, you follow Jesus, you believe his promises, you know what? You may have to separate from some from from some from some friends. Your life is going to be a little bit different. You're not going to be invited to some of the things that you used to be invited to. And that needs to be okay. God's going to give you new friends, new opportunities. You won't have to experience the guilt of living like the world so that you can be accepted or popular. God's going to protect you from some things. God's going to bless you. But this is we this is what we see in Abram's life. Abram believes God's promises. And in verses 4 through 9. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot with went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem to the oak of Marah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Let me just read the rest of the chapter. Verses 7 through 9. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negeb. 
So here we see Abram arrive in Canaan. This is the land that God's going to give him. This is enemy territory. So I can imagine as Abram and his entourage is coming into this land that God is eventually going to give to Abram and his descendants, um, there's some tension because this is where the Canaanites live. Now, we know a little bit about the Canaanites in Genesis chapter 9 because Noah cursed Canaan. And so Canaan, his descendants, are living under the curse of God. They are enemies of God. And now Abram has entered enemy territory. But because of Abram's obedience, the Bible says in verse 7, the Lord appeared to Abram. I want you to know, friend, that when you walk in obedience, when God is doing what he wants you to do, God is going to appear to you. His presence, the peace of his presence can overwhelm your heart and life. His name is Emmanuel, God with us. And when we're walking in his ways, you know what? God is there for us. Surrounding you with his peace and his presence. Now, in this particular passage of scripture, we call this a theophany. The Bible says the Lord appeared. This is a physical manifestation of the Lord's presence. This is the pre-incarnate Christ coming to Abram in the land of the enemy and has told Abram, you've arrived. Kind of like our GPS, okay? (laughs) When we get to our destination, you've arrived. Well, God in the in 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 the in a visible manifestation of itself says you have arrived welcome home he's going to do that on two other occasions uh he's going to appear to abram in chapter 17 verse 1 in chapter 18 verse 1 i'm sure that meant the world to abram Abram had seen the glory of God way back in Mesopotamia, and now here he is in the land of Canaan. And the Spirit of the Lord says, Welcome home, Abram. You've arrived. And the Bible says that Abram built an altar and worshipped. He worshipped the Lord in the presence of his enemies. My friends, that's what faith does. Faith not only obeys, but faith worships. I mean, this altar was uh, a reminder. It wasn't going to go anywhere, but this altar was a reminder to Abram of the encounter that he had with him in the land of Canaan. I mean, and it was in enemy territory. The Bible says um, 
the Bible says that it was in Shechem uh, to the land of the place at Shechem to the Oak of Morah. I mean, this wasn't any place, but this was a place where idolatrous teaching took place. I mean, this was idolatrous country. And so under this tree, um, this is where teaching would take place to the about the pagan gods. And it was here that God appeared to Abram. And Abram built an altar and he worshiped. Abram also built an altar in Bethel, possibly in Ai and Negev as, as well. But I want you to, to see this, that faith worships Yahweh. Friend, if you're going to live a life of faith, you need to be a worshiper of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We can't worship just once a month. You know, I think through this season of, of COVID and, and uh, just the spirit of the age, I think a lot of Christians think that they're doing God a favor if, they're gonna, if they show up for church once a month. If you're in town... God expects you to be part of the worship experience here at Emmanuel, the family of faith. We need to take this seriously. We need to come together as God's people, as God's family, and collectively lift our hearts and praise to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because of his great grace in our life. He has rescued us. He has hewn us from the rock of our sin and bondage, set us free and given us new life in him, given us hearts that have the ability and the opportunity to praise and honor and glorify him. This is our duty, church. Not because we have to, but because we want to. And Abram is our example of faith that we are to be people who obey what God has called us to do and that we worship him. We worship him publicly. Abram built this altar in the presence of the Canaanites. I'm sure the Canaanites are looking at Abram and his entourage and are thinking to themselves, who are you? Why are you here? And Abram builds an altar. And Abraham worships in their presence. And he publicly testifies, let me tell you, of my God encounter, of the one and only true God, the creator God, who alone is to be praised. This is Abram. And I'm excited about walking through these pages of Genesis as we look at his life. And again, he is far from perfect. 
We've already seen a hiccup. <laughs> he followed his dad instead of leading the family himself. Sat on the sideline for five years when his dad died and said, okay, all right, I got to get on with what he's promised me. My friend, you need to get on with what God has promised you and live that life of obedience. Next week, it's not a very pretty picture. And we're going to see some unintended consequences from the bad decision that he made. But praise God, we serve a God of grace. We're imperfect too, aren't we? And yet God has shown his amazing grace in our life as well. Praise God. So church, we need this time. We need this encouragement. God has given us this example. Let us learn from it. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this man of faith who made lots of mistakes. God, I pray, I know that there are people in this place this morning or listening online, and God, they're not where they know they need to be. And they have some decisions to make. But I thank you for your great grace, God, that you you don't love them any less. Help them. Help them to obey. Help them to believe your promises. That through obedience, God, you will bless. You will show them something greater. Thank you, Father, that this isn't our home. Thank you that there is something that awaits us that is far superior to this and may that encourage us to persevere in this journey of faith here. But we love you. We thank you. Thank you for your word. Encourage hearts. In Jesus' name we pray.